This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Monday, November 22nd, and this is Season 6, Episode 13 of the Four Stars Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have John. Uh, lovely to be with you, as always. And Tommy. Hey, what's up? Smaller cast today, but I think uh, it'll give us more chance to talk about the uh, this interesting game that we uh, had go on this week. Uh, but, but first, I want to talk just a little bit about the international break and not so much about the games, but we, I want to talk about the injuries and, and we always say when we have these international breaks, um, that the one thing that we want more than anything is just that nobody comes back injured, but we, we had a pretty significant injury to Ramiro who really is a key part of our, uh, defense at this point. Um, and then it looked like LaCelso might just have had a little tiny injury uh, uh, coming back as well. Um, so um, what are your guys' thoughts on these injuries and uh, uh, what's the impact as we move forward? Are we going to be able to get by with this? Well, I hate them. Um, I hate the international breaks anyway, but I hate the injuries even more. Um, it's got to be difficult for the players to have two weeks where they're training with somebody else and then – they get back to their club, and we've got a new manager, so the training's different there. Um, and then, you know, if you get hurt, then you're not – it's harder for you to catch up again with the new guy. So I think particularly uh, at Tottenham, it's 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 difficult right now. Um, the international break has been more significant than it needed to be. Um, but we did change, as I said, we changed the manager and we don't know how long Romero is going to be out. Uh, I would, uh, I'm not even thinking about him playing on Thursday, but hopefully he'll be back next weekend. But, uh, well, you, they, have you they, heard they any more about re- that? They were going to reevaluate him after seven days. Uh, uh, so, which tells me that, uh, like, uh, they don't, um, that they had to retest because they, they couldn't tell how bad the injury was going to be. So I think this is going to be a bit longer term. Um, oh, that's, that's bad that. news. But uh, at least, um, you know, we've got some players there that I think have huge potential in the center of the uh, the defense. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see, we'll see some of them stepping up. Um, still don't quite know why Roden not getting any time. But because uh, he looked good playing for Wales. And, uh, you know, Sanchez is, uh, seems to be better than he was. Everyone complains about Dyer, except me. I think he's fine. So we'll see how it, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And hopefully the, he'll be over his injury quickly and can get back into the side. Well, and it's kind of unfortunate that some of the guys that go on the international break, uh, um, really could have used the, the time with Conte probably like the Bergvines of the world. Um, just straying away from the defensive conversation. Yeah, so, I agree. I agree. I mean, he hasn't. Conte hasn't had really much time to spend with the uh, with many of the players that went away on the international break. So, 
Yeah, if you're trying to break into that side, you want to be seen, and if you're on an international break, you can't be seen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tommy, any thoughts before we shift gears? Yeah, um, I think what Celso was probably the one that suffers most. I actually did. I knew he was on the bench yesterday. I didn't realize he was injured until now. So I'm looking at Argentina's most recent uh, qualifiers, which was Brazil and Uruguay. So those are two big matches, and right now they pretty much have second place sealed up. But like, so I get why Romero and Lasalso played. It just unfortunately it's just bad timing, and like Lasalso, he misses out the most because I think he's probably the Spurs player that has the most to gain with Conte's appointment because this fits more of a system. It was a bit more of a system clash compared to Nuno, um, and me as a Sweden fan, it. This international break just sucked in general, but uh, but that's a whole other story. Um, I think how you said, John, though, just the fact that we have Conte in, like it to bring everybody in, get them reacclimated. I mean, we'll talk about this more against Leeds United. I feel that's one of the factors why we start off slow, but um, unfortunately, it's growing pains. Uh, but I mean, I think Ndombele probably can benefit the most because this. A spot like this could be more his, but I mean, we'll get to that down the line. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, one other topic before we roll into leads, um, and this comes from a question that we have. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Ketchup Gate. So that was the other thing that came up during this international break. And Kyle Mates asked the question on it. So, what would Spurs supporters in Chicago do if Conte said supporters can't use money? Yeah, this is a that's a huge question. Um, I must admit, even after thinking about it for a while, I'm not sure what we would have to do. I mean, uh, it's uh, it's a bad thing all around, isn't it? I mean, no mustard, terrible. <laughs> First, uh, I mean, for traditional Chicago hot dog, of course, I like mustard, but I'm actually more of a honey mustard connoisseur myself. Well, um, yeah, I think it'd be worse if he said we couldn't have ketchup on hot dogs. I mean, that's yeah. It's like your point is, you know, like, oh, we could we could have ketchup on hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, or or it's like I insist you have it. But yeah, that would be tough. But actually, I, the whole the whole ketchup thing, though, it's like you know, if you actually like to cook, so like you know, if you make barbecues, like ketchup's vital to it, or or if you make meatloaf, like you put ketchup on it, or at least so I've been told. Never had it. But, uh, you know, it's like ketchup's like a gateway flavor to a bunch of other things, like mustard, similar, but... but Yeah, for for those who are not around Chicago, it is um, it is traditional in Chicago that you do not put ketchup on your hot dog. And uh, so, you know, if if you do, it, it you get looked down on if you're doing that kind <laughs> of thing, so... I was going to say, I kind of wish Lucas was on, because he was... He said that's all he puts on his hot dogs. Yeah, say well, not not to really? out him, but just just saying. Okay, but what, I'm, what I was interested. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was going to oh. say what I was interested in. I, I didn't see brown sauce listed on the uh, um, the list of things that Conte wasn't allowing. Um, so I thought was that was kind of amusing because <clears throat> isn't that huge in England, or is that more of like a niche? No, it thing? is. I actually have a bottle of it in my fridge or in my cupboard, but yeah, I love it. Um, John, I'm assuming 
No, I'm not. So, I'm not so keen on. I'm the, the, I like my. I like my meat unadulterated. I mean, yeah, okay. I'm a condiments guy personally. So, like, even like if you have a, a good steak or pork chop or whatever that doesn't need it, I still want to dip something in it. But uh, <laughs> my quick, my quick uh, final thought about this is, I'm hoping compared to what 13 years ago that the squad does better compared to. Uh, or responds better to this compared to Wandy Ramos when he banned ketchup. Um, unfortunately, but he does have the credentials, so only time will tell. We'll see, I guess. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen any reaction, and I think that I don't expect one to be honest. I think players uh, take a different professional. They can they can have their ketchup at home if they really want it, like. But they're just not going to get it in the stadium. So, um, but <laughs> yeah, but, it, and, but it's all about Conte's. Um, Putting his uh, personality on the squad, and obviously one of the things he's done is to increase the fitness, which I find quite incredible. Because if they weren't as fit as he sh- as he wanted them to be, that is amazing. Because uh, these uh, you know these players should be as fit as they possibly can be, no matter who the manager is. But he includes that in a fitness regime, and it's okay with me if that's what he wants to do. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, well, let's move the conversation along. So we have to talk about this Leeds uh, United uh, match. So Leeds was coming in at home after after the international break. We uh, we had some players coming back that were clearly going to be in the squad. There, I think there were some questions about what the squad setup was going to be. Um, um, I think some of us were surprised when we saw a wink name in there. Um, I think a lot of us knowing that... Um, that Skippy couldn't be the in that uh, that maybe we'd get to see in Dombele or even Adeli in that role if we, if he, if Conte wanted to keep him in the midfield, um, but um, but we go with Winks um, and then uh, I think with the center backs like uh, I think some were questioning whether it should be Dyer. Um, I think maybe after the the match maybe we agree that yes it should have been Geyer but uh, at the time I think some of us were questioning that Tanganga gets a start that was a little bit unexpected um, and uh, Ben Davis coming back from international break got, got into the squad um, what were your what were you guys feeling as we rolled into that first half and kind of um, watched the poor performance yeah I think uh, Davis was the one that I was surprised to see on the field um, I know what he's doing with Regulon, um, moving him forward from a fullback, and that and that's fair enough. Um, and maybe if he does that, he hasn't got any option apart from putting Davis there. But uh, but the the team in general didn't surprise me. It didn't surprise me that Winks was there because um, Skip, you know, had too many yellow cards and he couldn't play. Um, I I hesitate to talk about some of the rumors that we're hearing. I mean, we hear, I've heard a rumor that, oh, Conte really likes Skip. Well, okay. I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe it isn't. But um, we're also hearing that uh, Conte wants this player and that player and whatever. And to me, it's far too early to be saying anything like that because he's got to assess who he's got there first. Um, So I think we're hearing a lot of garbage about what Conte is or Conte is not doing. Um, but, uh, yep. Yeah, I mean, Winks came in and he did, uh, he did okay. Well, in the second half, he did okay. None of them did any good in the first half. Um, I just don't get it. I don't get how you can go out there and play so miserably and then get yelled at and go out there and play so brilliantly. Um, 
it, it, it astounds me that that's possible. But we've seen it over and over again. And um, I don't know what these players need to get motivated at the beginning of a game because, uh, you know, this is this happened under Nuno and it's happened under uh, Conte now. And it happened under Marino as well. So um, something about not playing well in the first half has got to change. I mean, if we if we put in a performance every week like we did in the second half, uh, against Leeds, then we then we got a brilliant team, but it seems to be very fragile at the moment. Tell me, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's. I've said this many times on previous podcasts. Unfortunately, it was a tale of two halves. We didn't look. Gr- I mean, I kind of alluded to it in the beginning um, with the icebreaker, where you know the team's not gelling because of Nuno's new methods. Of course, it's always going to happen when you have a new manager. Uh, but they they just looked like they were lacking in terms of energy or impetus, I guess. And I'm just, it was very frustrating to see. And like, you could tell there were certain camera shots to Antonio Conte where he's just like, you know, fuck, I can't believe this, you know, terrible play, terrible this. And like, well, you, but he was right, and all the fans oh, agreed yeah. with him. I mean, the well, half-time, totally. the booze, at the, when, they, when the whistle went off the first half were uh, pretty unanimous. Oh, yeah, I don't disagree. I was, I'm in full agreement with that. It's just, my, the thing was, Conte, you know, he clearly lit a fire up their ass because, um, you know, I was at the bar yesterday, and I stood behind Anthony. I was standing next to James and uh, another regular sigh, and they're like, why, why are there any subs? We look like shit, and I'm like... Well, I didn't tell them, but I was thinking in my head. Firstly, it's like we're kind, we're it's a lean squad this season. We don't have a lot of room for true depth, which means that he's going to make a lot of adjustments. So he's like, "You do this. You're going to stand over there. You're going to do this. Make this run here." And first ten or till the fifty fifth minute, things were looking great. Um, and I, I mean, a lot of passes didn't connect, but you can tell they had the right idea. Things were were brewing, so to speak. And then we finally got the goal with Hoiberg in, what, 58th minute? So it's because I personally believe, like, if it was 10, 15 minutes, if, if it was the same thing in the first half, Conte would have brought on two subs. I mean, thankfully he didn't have to at the time, but, you know. Uh, yeah, I think, I think you make a good point, Tommy. If he's going to put a, uh, a firework up their ass and tell them to get out there and do better – then he's got to put the same people out there. I mean, you can't put a rocket up their ass and then put them on the bench. Um, he wants to see a reaction, and uh, he wants to see what that reaction will be, and he can't do that by switching subs at halftime. Um, he did bring some on later, which was nice. Lovely to see Sassignon get a run out. Um, you know, I hadn't even got, haven't even got news that he was fit again. I mean, he's kind of been in the shadows because he's been hurt, but... Uh, did not know that he was fit again, but he's going to fit really well into that system that Conte's looking to put together here with the wingbacks coming forward. Yeah. And this actually creates kind of a good depth problem because Davis, Ben Davis is not, he doesn't have the speed. He's defensively sound, so he's not going to be the wingback. So he's going to play the center back, left center back, as he has been the past few matches. Um, Sessignon, he's more of an attacker, so he'll, as of right now, he can kind of study under Reguilon to see how that goes. Yep. Um, I mean, we'll talk about this with Mira, but I wouldn't be like if he's 
fully healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if he started. Uh, I, I didn't think he set the world on fire, but I mean, of course, it's kind of just getting his feet wet and getting through the motions and getting through the rhythm again. So I'm okay with that. Um, the other thing that I noticed, and I'm not sure if either Anthony or you, John, saw this, but like 86, 87, 88 minute, like we could have went to the corner because like in theory, we had the game one. But I think the other thing that Conte has kind of told the players is that go for the kill because a defensively. Yeah. We looked a little, we haven't conceded in two, ma- two premier league or we won't concede one goal in two premier league matches with Conte, but traditionally this season, we have not looked good. So I think, Conte probably sees more benefit or more of a positive net positive with the firepower compared to defense. So he'd rather pad the lead instead of sitting back and defend it in the, in the late stages of the game. So, well, I think I, also, um, San and Kane need a goal. They need a yeah. goal. And so if you've got the opportunity, even if it's in the last five minutes, then Let's take that opportunity and get him a goal because I'm quite convinced that once Kane scores one, he's going to the floodgates will open. Same with Son. Um, so that could have something to do with it. But I do like the approach. I mean, I think that we were only up two one. So you know, to go into your shell would have been a bit frustrating. So I like I like the fact that they were out there battling till the end. And that was uh, and if that's the way we're going to play, then I'm all for it. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of, it also fits the credo of Spurs, you know, to dare us to do. It's, you know, no guts, no glory type thing. We're going to win. We're going to win big. But I mean, baby steps right now. We got a lean squad. We got a new manager. So right now, my personal opinion is just give me the three points. Let's build off of that and let's see where we're at in the season. Well, I want to go to one of our uh, questions, and this one comes from uh, Suge. And Suge asks us, uh, were you as pumped as me seeing Conte pumping up the crowd? Also, when he aggressively hugged every player at the end. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I love seeing emotion on the sideline. Um, and... Uh, you know, I think his his response to the crowd was probably after the booing they got at the end of the first half. And I think what he was saying to them was, look, you've got the right to boo, but if we're doing this right, we want you to cheer. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, I've been surprised. I, I was surprised how bad Nuno was. I thought that with the talent that he had, he would be able to do much better. Um so I was obviously wrong about that. Um, but I do like, I like everything about Conte. I mean, I like the fact that he's got his ideas. I like the fact that he's emotional and that he gets excited when we score. And, you know, that's, uh, I like that. I like seeing that. Yeah. yeah I, go ahead, Tommy. Uh, and I think this is in stark contrast to a lot of the managers that we've seen recently, or at least this past decade. Like, Pochettino, he'd be excited when we score, but if, like, the chips are down, he kind of just stood there and he was kind of emotionless, it felt like, at times. Um, you know, you see Jose Mourinho, you know, similar. Um, he just looked like time was standing still. We were not looking good. He's just like, what am I doing here? Uh, Nuno, he wasn't – I didn't think he was very emotional either. So, I mean, like, my general principle on having emotional coach, head coaches, managers, et cetera – 
is like do it but keep it in check like you shouldn't let your emotions get the better of you um and do anything rash but like i think conte just the fact of his pedigree he's he he knows that or um, it's safe to assume that he knows that spurs have a good crowd or a good fan base so like they're i mean i guess i'm i'm biased here but i think we're one of the loudest ones in the league so you know get that 12th man involved at the home stadium so um and like i even saw like in the background like one guy in the south stand i i forget what the park lane like he like he was he was like the only one seeing him it's like he kind of took he kind of took uh conti's example he's like he's trying to get everybody riled up and into it as well so that was very nice to see it's just I think the other issue is with the previous managers seeing their stoicism at times. It's you kind of follow like if you're a manager or if you're a fan, you, they're they're kind of the uh, person that kind of leads by example, like based on emotion. So like if things are not going well, and I see any man, him or her or whoever, not reacting or trying to rise everybody up and bring up spirits like you're probably not going to do the same thing as well like same thing with my job if like my my boss isn't trying to pump me up you know to be more motivated to get work done like i'm probably not i'll be like whatever i'll just i'll do the same thing you know yeah, so yeah it, i it understand could, what and, you're saying and like it all trickles down so whether it be fans players etc so it, it's so it's kind of like what you said it's very refreshing to see and i think of it, this is kind of make it full circle is kind of what Daniel Levy wanted with in terms of the state. He wants this to be a fortress again. He wants this to be a loud state based off acoustics or whatever. It, Conte getting everybody motivated and standing up and yelling. It is not the worst thing in the world. Well, and I, on the hugging part at the end, um, like I know that a lot was made out about like people like Doherty and Bergvine, not really uh, um, turning up for the hugs. Um, but I think that's more for the fans. I think that is like the fans want to see a coach that cares so much about his players. And when they, they've done what he's asked them to do, that he, he shows his appreciation in, in, in that way. I think that's more for the fans than it is for the players. Um, I, well, I, I don't know. I think, it, I think it can be for the players as well. I mean, being demonstrative about the fact that you've really responded the way that I asked you to. And I'm thanking you for that. Um, you know what? Uh, that would be how I would uh, how I would look at that. And if the fans are there as well, then you know they're seeing his appreciation. Yeah. No, I t- I totally agree there. Um, well, let's uh, let's go to a couple more of our questions that we got on this. And um, uh, Kyle Mates asks us a second question: um, How bruised are the back of Harry Kane's legs doing hold up play for ninety minutes against Phillips? Uh, did you feel that there was a disconnect between he and Sonny against Leeds? I think that the connection between Kane and Sonny has struggled. Uh, I don't know why. They seem to be so natural in the past, but I think that uh, they are struggling and it'll come. I also think that probably the teams know how dangerous they can be and are trying to close them down much quicker than they did in the past. So that's going to make it more awkward for them. But, yeah, um, Harry was involved in a lot of 
hold up play and and I think that that's something that they're going to work on you know we need to get him freed and as Conte said at the beginning you know I want to put Harry in the box because that's where he can score goals and I don't think we're quite there yet I and I think the biggest thing with that part John is we don't have the midfield where Harry Kane can just stay up front it's kind of been like that for a while like where we like if we had Moussa Dembele there, he wouldn't like we'd be. Harry Kane wouldn't have to go into the midfield as much. I think once we're structurally sound, so to speak, and Harry Kane won't have to do it. So like we're gonna have. To, so if Harry Kane stays next season, it'll probably be a different story. But um, but yeah, there's a definite disconnect because like even with uh, under Jose Mourinho, like that was the best partnership in the league for for the bulk of the season. And they're just, I mean, we know Josie got fired, but you know, it, it is what it is. So I, I don't know what the deal is because they're, I mean, formation wise, they're still playing off of each other. And what you see on the field, they're still playing off of each other. So, and like, I'm looking at the formation right now on BBC. It's like, what? it's a Christmas tree formation with Lucas Moore and son as a two attacking midfielders and then Kane as a forward. So maybe Kane son should actually play more advanced and Kane play a little bit more back. I don't, I don't know what the solution is. I'm just an armchair quarterback right now. So I, I mean, I'm not panicking yet. I mean, we're still getting results. I, it, unfortunately it's going to be the growing pains, but we all knew that. I already knew that this was going to be a transition season to begin with. So let's just ride this out and see how it goes. Well, and I think the solution is probably to buy more talented midfielders, and I hate to say that. Um, there are some guys that I like there a lot. I really like Coy Bier, but he's – I don't think he's – hes despite the goal, I don't think his performance was uh, stellar in this match. Like, uh, his passing accuracy was terrible. He wasn't doing that much to advance the ball, and, and Wink certainly wasn't any better. Um, so – it got better in the second half, but um, but I still still think that that was more of an intensity and not not the talent of the midfield. Oh yeah, I I do think that that's going to be the solution. Conte's got to replace a midfielder or two, and um, and 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 then then we might be able to roll roll on with this. Well, it's yeah. always a gamble, isn't it? I mean, it is a it is a compromise. You can't have two uh, a forward playing midfield because you're going to lose some of the defense. And if you can't have a two defensive of midfield um, because they're not helping the attack. So that balance is very, is very difficult to achieve. And I think certainly Hobier and Skip do a very good job defensively from the midfield standpoint. Um, you're right. They're not as creative as perhaps we would like on the, uh, on the offensive side of it. And uh, that, uh, that I'd like to see improved. And I think Ndembele could, could well be the catalyst to uh, to do that. And if Conte can get him playing, uh, which is what he, what he needs to do, is to is to get Ndembele uh, onside with playing for a team, onside for playing the way that he's being asked to play, not the way he feels that he should. Um, and then if we can get him to do that, then I think he's going to be a huge asset. At the moment, he's still doing things too personally, I think. That's a funny thought about Ndombele is that 
from what I read that like he's kind of the pet project for Conte. So I think, as you said, the biggest thing is, is he going to listen and he's actually going to apply that instead of doing his own thing? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, fingers crossed that he does because, I mean, we all talked about it, that he has an insane amount of talent, but adjusting to the league and, like, whether it be playing for Lyon or just the way league on plays, it's like he can cut, he was, he had more freedom to do his own thing. Um, like, the Premier League, it's more structured and more tactical now compared to 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh, Anthony, what do you got? Well, well, what I want to jump in with the, the thing was like, I heard that, and I'm I'm positive that that Conte is working with Ndombele specifically on uh, what he wants. Uh, but it was concerning to me is that he had a full two week international break where Ndombele wasn't on break. Uh, that he had to work with him, and he couldn't even make it in into this match as a, a tactical sub. Um, that that was concerning to me. Um, Maybe he's sending a message to to Ndombele that, um, uh, you know, I'm telling you to do these things, but I don't think you're ready to listen yet. So, you know, I'm not going to put you in now until you've figured out what it is I want you to do and that I know you're going to go out there and do it. But he hasn't done it for, like, I guess Mourinho got the most out of um, Ndombele so far as we've seen. But I think it's uh, by default, though. Yeah, just had the most time with him. Yeah, and I don't know what the disconnect is with Ndombele, but I, I don't know if he needs to be treated more with kid gloves or it's kind of like with the Jose Mourinho method where it's kind of tough love. I mean, realistically speaking, it's possible that he's been getting the training in, but the actual application has not been there yet in these past two weeks. Um, you know, yeah. of course, we, we, don't, we don't know what's going on. So, I mean, but also, let's be fair. We played a crappy first half, or we as in Spurs played a crappy first half. Second half, you know, we eventually won by one. But like, for example, with the subs, Tenganga came on, so for or came off for Sanchez. So that was more, you know, like for like or Regulon coming in for off for Sessegnon. Uh, I forget who was the other one. Um, Deli Ali going for Lucas Moore. So it was all like for like. So I. I think the other argument is if Winks or Hoiberg was faltering, I mean, they, I think Winks played a pretty decent game. Hoiberg, he started off slow, and as Anthony said, his pass was off. So, like, I think they progressed a little bit better throughout the game. And if one of them was at faltering or they needed a, a second or third goal at the time, like late in the game, and Dombley would have came on because, what, we scored our second goal, 69th minute. So we didn't need to worry about that box-to-box midfielder for that situation. My my thought on the like-for-like like sub is, um, and this is just a theory, that Conte doesn't think that they're ready to do anything more than the one thing he wants them to do at this point. Like, he's, he's not going to change crazy stuff up at this point. He's working with them on, like, just get th- this one game plan out of them. Um and until they get it, he's going to keep uh, drilling it in. So he wanted a like-for-like like sub so they can keep working on uh, what he's been training into them at this point. And, uh, and yeah. later on, after he gets some more time with it, maybe he will, we'll see some uh, a, a little bit of a change up there. Well, it was working, wasn't it? Um, I think had they continued to play like they had in the first half, he would have changed things up a lot. But after the Rocket, 
They went out there and played the way he wanted them to play. And so he's going to want to keep that going. And you do keep that going by going with like for like subs, because if you try to change it up, then maybe you're going to lose the momentum that you had. So I can see the logic behind uh, the like for like, although I'm not sure Ali and uh, Lucas are like for like, but maybe Ali. Would I don't like think anybody to, is. Though. Maybe, maybe Ali would like to think <laughs> like for like, but. Well, I, I, to be honest, I think Deli Alley probably still is still is a more talented player than than Lucas, but Lucas uh, certainly tries a hundred times harder than Deli Alley has in a long time. So, agree. Um, uh, but yeah, there, I I agree that they're not the like the like options there. Um, well, any final thoughts before we go to MVP LVP on, on this match in general? I mean, we t- we talked a bit about. Um, the first half, like it, we saw some some players perform pretty piss poor in that first half, and and in the second half we saw some of those players that performed piss poor perform pretty well. So I think this is going to be a tough LVP. But let's start with MVP first, and uh, we'll we'll start with uh, you, Tommy. Okay, so everybody knows that I've been shitting on this player for a while. He's on my shit list. He's still on there, but for me, a player to get off of my shit list means you have to do a lot. You have to be consistent, have a long run of games, and do well. Pay attention. Um, you know, contribute and all that stuff. I'm hoping this is the start of it. I think he played very well. Um, firstly, I'd like to say that Hugo Lloris was an honorable mention. I think he kept us in the game. I think when Leeds were attacking, he had a quite a decent amount of vital saves. Uh, but I will give my MVP to Eric Dyer. I never uh, thought I'd say that in a long time, but that's, yeah. <laughs> I, think that's very, I think that's very big of you, Tommy, because as you say, you have been constant criti- critically of him. And um, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big thing for you to say. Well done. Uh, John, who do you have? Uh, for- I have, I have Regulon. I thought he had a great game. He got his first goal for us. Um, I, I think he's really showing how useful he can be, and he had a very, very good game um, on uh, on Sunday. So I'm going to go with Regulon. You know, I, I I have to agree with you, John. Um, uh, he was the first one on my list, and I tried to come up with who else. I mean. You make a fair point there, Tommy, with Hugo and Dyer, and I think Dyer did really well uh, with that with the defense, where it was kind of a questionable group of guys to be um, holding down an attacking team. I thought Dyer did really well, so I would give my honorable mention to Dyer. Uh, but Regulon was just fantastic; like he's really growing into that wing back role. Like I think he he needed to to be given the freedom to, to, to go into that role. And uh, like, I, I, th- I think we're going to have a lot more like it, to be honest, under Conte. I think he, he could, and, and I, even though I think he was knackered and I think it was the right move for, uh, for Sessegnon to come on, I, I'm glad that we have that pair there that we can, that we can do that. Like when he gets tired, we, we, we bring on fresh legs and uh, keep running at him. Um, I, I, I think this could really work out well. Um, let's go to LVP next, and we'll just keep going around the horn. So uh, back to you, Tommy. Yeah, I know 
Okay, so I'm gonna straight up say Harry Kane, and it's it's not due to effort. It's more the application of it, where you know, going forward and getting. I mean, he Calvin Phillips was hacking at him all day, and I will give him credit for that. Of course, it's just how John was discussing her, like just him and Son were not doing so well. I think Kane was the worst out of the two. Uh I, it's it's a reluctant LVP, I would say, because I think everybody, in terms of scale of 1 to 10, everybody was at least a 5 or a 6 and above. So it's not a true slight or hate on him. No, I and, and Frank uh, George Hobbs had asked this the question. I didn't ask it as a question, but it kind of goes to this. It's like, when is Kane going to turn up or just fuck off? It was his question. And I do think we've all been waiting for him to turn up and we get to we see him on international break perform very well. Um, and then it's tough to see him uh, not perform well. But I do think he was doing well at the holdup play, as was mentioned earlier. I I do think he was contributing. He did have a good shot of the, the, the post, I believe it was. Um, and I, I think it's there. Um, he needs more service. Um, but I understand your point like, and how you could pick him as LVP. So let's go on to John for his LVP. Yeah, I'm going to say Davis. I think his time has come. Um, starting to struggle a bit. Uh, he's not doing, he's not playing with the same flair that he played with before. And um, I'm, I, I think we're going to see Davis fade away. And uh, I think this is... Um, I think I don't expect much more than the performance he gave us on uh, on Sunday. So I'm kind of expecting him to him to be one that we won't be talking about in the future for too long. So, and I didn't think he had a particularly good game on Sunday either. So, well, and, me. and I think he was probably the the player in the best position to do something about the one goal that that Leeds did score. Um, to, to your point, like uh, Dyer, what Dyer, uh, Dyer was doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was in the right position for um, for the players he was covering. He wasn't ball watching for once. Um, but but Ben Davies, I think he could have done something to, to to stop that goal from happening if he had stepped up and and took on a man. Of, I, I understand your point there with him. Um, you know, it's really tough because the guys that I wanted to pick first half as the, the worst players, like Lucas was not having a good game. He was running at people, but his passing was, was terrible. And he was ju- just a turnover machine. Um, Winks was miserable in that first half, but I think both of them stepped up in the second half. So it's, it feels harsh for me to pick either of them. Um, so I think I'm going to have to agree with John and say Ben Davies on this one. Um, uh, Simply because I think he's the one guy that could have prevented the 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 the, the goal. And, um, if we had got, looked shitty in the first half and we had come to halftime even zero zero, um, I I think we would have been thinking different about it. Despite the performance not being great, but um, but since I think Ben Davies is the one person that could have prevented that, like I'll give him my LVP. Um, any final thoughts before we go to half? Okay, well, um, 
the second half, we are going to preview both the Conference League match against Murrah and uh, the the weekend uh, EPL match against uh, Burnley. Uh, but first, we are going to go to John's lone player update. Yeah, great to be with you, everybody. Um, this is uh, my loan update for November 2021. We're going to start with uh, Pape Sarr. He's the player that we signed from Mets, who is going to be on loan at Mets for the season. Um, he's been playing a number of different possessions for Mets, which I think is good. Uh, he seems to be settling at uh, either defensive or a central midfield. Um, it seems to be the one he favours. So if we're talking about... Um, offensive midfielders, maybe he's going to help us when he comes back. Um, having said all that, Mets is bottom of Liga. Um, they're struggling a bit. So, uh, you know, overall, the team is not doing very well. But he seems to be having a good impact there. And then he did go with um, Senegal in the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, Senegal had all already qualified before these last games, but he came on as a sub against the Congo, um, which, you know, it certainly is a good thing. Uh, he was unused against Togo, but uh, he's getting some time on the world uh, on the world circuit. So that's, uh, I think it's all good with him. Um, Cameron Carter-Vickers, who's on loan at Celtic, um, he's played all their games, um, including two Europa League games for Celtic. So he seems to be getting a good run out, and he's getting good reviews from uh, from everybody who's watching him play. So um, well done for him. Uh, Troy Parrott is the one you're all going to want to hear about. He's playing for MK Dons. He's started uh, 10 league games with them this year. He scored three goals, four assists. So he's having a, he's having a good time. He did come on as a 45-minute uh, sub against Cambridge in the 4-1 win there. And he didn't feature this last Saturday in um, MK Don's 1-0 win over Burton Albion. I don't know whether he had a knock coming back from uh, international duty um, or not. He, uh, in the last three games that Ireland have played, he has come on as a sub three times. Now, that may be a bit misleading because two of the times he was subbed, it was 90 minutes. Um, but he did come on for... Uh, he did feature for about 15 minutes in the last game against Luxembourg. So um, he may have got a knock. I honestly don't know, but he did not feature last weekend with MK Dons. Um, Jay Neil Bennett at Crew Alexandra in League One. He came on as an 85-minute sub at the draw against Doncaster and a 45-minute sub against their loss against Swindon. Uh, they He also didn't figure this week. Crew Alexander are also bottom of League One. So they're a team struggling, um, but he seems to be certainly holding his own there. Um, the one that uh, is really banging him in is uh, our old friend Ntete. He was playing for Northampton. Um, he scored and got an assist in the FA Cup uh, first round against Cambridge. He played in the replay, which they lost. He had a full game in the 2-1 loss against Bristol Rovers. He scored uh, against Tranmere. He scored against Stevenage. So he's really uh, he's really starting to bang them in, and that's that's just great stuff. Um, James Bowden, who's in, uh, he's with Oldham. Oldham are in League Two. 
He started in the FA Cup against Ipswich and the replay. Um, they tied the first game, but they lost the second game 2-1. He scored in the 2-1 loss at Exeter uh, this last weekend. They were 2-0 down, and he scored what was described as a screamer from outside the box to pull it back to 2-1. And... Um, he he got an assist in their 3-1 loss against Walsall. He uh, he was assist on the goal there. Again, Oldham are one point off the relegation zone and um, they're struggling. But James Bowden seems to be getting some good time there and doing very well. Um, lastly, we're going to talk about Alfie Whiteman. He plays for Degafor in Sweden at the Allsvenskan uh, League. Um, he's getting... From what I could tell, I checked all the uh, stats, and he's a constant starter with them. He's played every game. Um, and uh, But what seems to be a bit of a, uh, uh, a common factor here, Dagger 4 are third place from the bottom of the league. But uh, Alfie's certainly getting a lot of... Um, a lot of time, a lot of experience there. So that's good. And that's my November loan update. Thanks all for listening. Well, thanks as always, John. It's always informative, and there's a lot of guys that I would never hear anything about if you didn't share that with us, so I always appreciate it. Um, I want to roll into the second half with kind of a fun question that we got from our own Sam Graham. Um, uh, Sam's been on the podcast uh, a couple times this year, I think, and then uh, several times last year. Um, But Sam asks us, uh, uh, which current or former Spurs player – would you want your son or daughter to date and why does the answer differ if we change it from date to marry? Well, I, I didn't, I don't have a daughter, but I think I would be very protective of her had I got one. So the only uh, Spurs players that I would want her to date or marry would be the ones that are dead. So, um, I don't think any any of them who are currently living, I want to have anything to do with my daughter. So my answer would be uh, Ted Ditchburn, and God bless him. <laughs> he's a lovely man, but he's dead, so that's good. Uh, Tommy, do you have... Actually, John, you brought up an interesting point there, because after hearing uh, the, what, 2008 uh, Carling Cup final, like that night, everybody just going on a bender like you think Ledley King you know he, he, a quiet guy but man you could you could tell he loves the sauce and then I saw him in Seattle I'll just leave that part at that um well, he, yeah but he's a lovely he's a lovely contender he lives in the village I grew up in Cuffley there's Ledley so um, oh yeah because I got, remember good prospects, what's his name? good prospects I remember yeah. a lot of Spurs players lived there. Like, I remember Cranstar lived there. Yeah, Tafoe lived there, too, yeah. But I would say, any well, anybody that's a lot older, so 50 and older probably in age, <laughs> just because they're not as energetic, and they're probably, like, they're not going to do a bunch of debauchery. Um, if not, I will say the cliche choice to piss everybody off and say Michael Dawson. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. You know, um, maybe it's because I'm not, uh, I don't have kids, but... Um, I don't know how overprotective I would would be. Like I, I would want somebody that I think would be fun to go out and uh, uh, drinks with. And I'm thinking maybe it's like 
Dempsey. Dempsey is just like a he, he seems like I know he gets into fights and stuff like that, but like I think he would be like a it he'd be fun to hang out with. Like uh I, I could see my daughter enjoying that. Well you wouldn't uh, have to teach him how to speak American, would you? So <laughs> but for for the second part of the question, if it was to marry that maybe uh, maybe I wouldn't want it to be Dempsey. That make it <laughs> so uh, so good good second part to the question. Would you guys change up if uh, with the Mary part? No, I'd still want him to be dead. <laughs> uh, I'll yeah, I'll keep the, my uh, the answer the same. Okay, well, date Mary doesn't matter. I love Michael well, Dawson either way. Just well, don't fun. cheat. Don't, just don't cheat on my uh, unborn and non-existent daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Yet to be born, or or maim her. If you do, hell will be had on you. <laughs> well, fun question, Sam. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for that. It was a good place to break in. But we need to preview two matches. Roll out for the day. So uh, we are going to move on to the the Murrah game. Um, so uh, I'm not. I'm going to do an abbreviated uh, introduction. But they're currently in fifth place in the Slovenian league. Uh, with 22 points, they've uh, they're on kind of poor form right now with a draw, two losses, and two draws. Um, and uh, we do know that we were able to beat them five-one the last time we faced them uh, uh, in the, the home leg of uh, this match. But this time we have to travel to, to take them on. Um, so we do have a question that that comes from uh, uh, Koi's. MKE, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, and he asks us, once I find it, um, where is it? Oh, here it is. Uh, does Conte go full rotation for Mura or partial? Who is your anticipated starting 11? Uh, thoughts on Winks again, against Leeds? Um, when will Roden get integrated? Let's just do the first part of this one. Does Conte go full rotation? Or... My my answer to that would be no. Um, they have failed to qualify for the Europa Conference. They're out of any kind of contention to uh, to qualify. But we absolutely have to win. We um, we can't, I think, go in with a laissez-faire attitude on this game because of the um, the other two that uh, still there's still a potential of two out of the three top teams going through. Um, we need to make up for the error, make up for the loss. Um, so I would see uh, a partial rotation, absolutely. But I don't believe he's going to go with a full rotation because the match is too important. Um, if he does, I think he's going to have a lot of firepower on the bench just in case. So I think one of two things is going to happen. He's either going to go full rotation with a bench um, unlike Nuno, who didn't have a bench to fall back on, um, or he's going to do a partial rotation. I think that there are some players that he's really going to want to see in action, uh, and this is the opportunity to give them to him. But let's keep the uh, let's keep the mix at uh, at a fairly good level and not switch everybody out. That would be my hope. I think we might see Skip in this one because Skip uh, wasn't able to play because of the yellow card accumulation for Leeds. So this might be, he, he might start this one um, unless he's going to save him for the weekend. But um, um, I do think that this might be uh, 
time for him to to give Ndombele a chance to show that he can be an attacking force for our, our team. He has, he didn't use him at all, um, so he's going to be fresh. Um, I think this might, we, we actually might see him start the match. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a fully strong team. I, I do think Roden, I think, will get in this time, and we'll get to see what he can do. Well, with uh, Romero with Romero injured and Dyer deserving a day off, I think that uh, that's a that's a good time to have, give Rodon a run out. Yeah, and I think that's why San that's a big reason why Sanchez came in for Tanganga. I think Tanganga will start this. Uh, Tanganga and Sanchez will start. They were both getting a partial rest with the the last match, and I think you could see them both in this one. Um, and we might see a couple of uh, like a Doherty's, maybe Doherty play as wing back in this one, um, in Sessignon. Um And I'm not sure what they'll do with the attack. Uh, maybe Deli Ali starts. Uh, but I, I don't see this being like as weak as we went um, when, when we traveled to Vitesse. Um, yeah, I think that that's something we can learn from. And uh, even though it's a different manager, the theory is still the same. You've got to learn from that, that that's not the way to do go about it and certainly not to do it without any um, decent subs on the bench. Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, let's go to predictions on this. And uh, uh, let's start with you, Tommy, for predictions. Oh, geez. Um, I'm going to say... We're going to beat them. Actually, is it home or away? It's away. It's away. Ooh, I want to, uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to say we're going to sh- shut them out. I'm going to say we're going to 3-0. Um, and I'll just kind of provide to my two cents on this. Uh, actually, I'll say Kane, Son, because they got to score eventually, hopefully. Um, and then Dombele. But uh, the reason is, I'm kind of similar to what John said. We got to win, win it. Um, who is it? Ren's playing. Ren and Vitesse are playing. So like we, we got to take advantage of this. And then we have goal differential right now. So that helps. So like we, and also, I mean, we'll talk about it in a few minutes, in a couple minutes, but we're playing Burnley. So I'm not saying Burnley are going to be easy, but I mean, realistically, they're what 18th, 19th at the table. So, I I would expect certain um, players to be off. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind Skip coming back in or Roden playing, but I would say three players switched out at most, I'm hoping, but we'll see. I'm But I'm hoping we just put on a optimal lineup and we just smash them because we can worry about uh, Ren in two weeks after that and see how the rest goes. Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm with Tommy, and before he picked 3-0, I was going to do that as well, so I won't now. But, um, yeah, this you also don't know what kind of a team uh, they're going to put out, because if they're already not qualified, then they've got no real incentive. So are they going to go out there and be... Uh, a beat decent opposition or are they just going to throw their hands up? And uh, if they throw throw their arms up, then I think it, we, we could get a baseball score in there. Um, but let's hope they do at least play the game. Um, Tommy, you went for 3-0. I don't see us conceding a goal. 
so I agree with the nil. I'm going to go with four. I think Kane's going to get two in the first half and then come off as a sub. Uh, Scarlett's going to come on and score one in the uh, in the second half, and Sun's going to get one in there somewhere. So four nil. See, I'm going to go uh, a little bit different. I think this is going to be high scoring, uh, but I do think that they will find a way to nick a goal um, just from uh, um, like a defense that hasn't really been playing that much, uh, being back there, maybe making a stupid mistake and, and not our best goalkeeper in there. Um, but I think the goal scoring is going to be uh, – I'm going to go 6-1. I know oh, it's 6 geez. But, um, Very optimistic. I, I think the goal scoring is not going to come from the Canes and Sons of the World. Like uh, um, I think it's come from the uh, the guys that this is their chance for a change. This is this is uh, a Conte coaching. We were able to do them five one at home um, with Nuno. Um, so yeah, I think six one. We're going to give uh, two to Ndombele, two to Bergvine, one to Doherty, and one to Sessegnon. Uh, hey, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I Sorry, you said two for Ndombele, two for who? Bergvine. Okay, Bergvine times two and who else? Do- one for Doherty and one for Sessignon. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, let's move the conversation along. So we have a second match this Sunday. Oh, uh, before I move it along, I wanted to mention that Murray Mur game. Um, if you are in Chicago for the holidays, uh, c- come on out to the Atlantic. The Atlantic will be open for that uh, that conference league match. Um, they're going to have uh, at least one TV in the bar on Bears game playing at the same time. Um, but uh, we'll have the sound and everything. They'll have a turkey um, special. I don't know what the special is yet, but uh, they were there will be some turkey at the at the pub. So if you have no place to, to go for the holiday and want to go out and watch the, the conference league match, uh, definitely go to the Atlantic for that. Um, but let's move the conversation along to Burnley. Um, uh, so we take on Burnley away uh, uh, this Sunday, uh, November 28th. Uh, that's the early game here in Chicago at 8 a.m. Um, abbreviated uh, introduction. So um they currently sit in 18th place in the league with nine points, one win, six draws, and five losses. Um, so they are pretty good with the draws there. Uh, most recently, they had a 3-3 draw uh, at home to Crystal Palace. They drew Chelsea, beat Brentford, lost to us in the League Cup, and then drew Southampton prior to that. They take on Wolves uh, the Wednesday after. And right now, their top goal scorer is uh, Cornette with five. Um uh, Chris Wood behind him with three. Ashley Westwood has the most assists with three, and uh, Dwight McNeil's McNeil's your top-rated player. Um, and we have beat them four out of the five last times that we've uh, faced them in um, in competition since 2019. Um, the the last uh, draw that we had, one one, uh, was in March 2020. So they have not beat us in the last five times that we faced them. So. Uh, but this is a, a tough field to go play at in uh, any time of the year, but especially in the winter. Uh, so what do you guys think? Well, firstly, I'd like to say that that wasn't Tommy flushing the toilet. That was Tommy changing his water out, in case you heard that. Because oh. <laughs> um, we certainly did, Tommy. Uh, I think that uh, Spurs will have learnt 
from this last weekend. I think Conte will really, really be on them. I expect them to play both halves like they did in the second half uh, this last weekend. I think we will sweep them away, even though it could be a very windy and wet and cold day at Turf Moor. And trust me, if it's windy and wet and cold, one of the worst places to be in the world is Burnley and Turf Moor. But having said all that, I think we're going to sweep them away. Um, they may get a consolation goal, but uh, but yeah, I, I think we're going to we'll win three we'll win three one on uh, on Sunday, and uh, everybody will be praising how Conte has done a fabulous job in turning Spurs around. That's my prediction. Well, uh, do you so, think this will be the, um, that easy, Tommy? I don't know because I mean, traditional like recently, I feel like whenever we play these relegation battle teams or are in the relegation zone, it is a lot more difficult. Like I, I feel like we Spurs play better against mid table teams compared to the lower end of the table. I don't know why. Like for example, a game that meant nothing in 2010. I know 11 years ago that doesn't mean anything, but like we lost to Burnley four to two, you know, and they were already relegated. We had Champions League sealed up. It, it, and I know it's a different team at the time, but I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of times recently where we just lose to these random teams that are just not good, and it's it's turf war. They have a they got. I mean, they don't have a really great strength in terms of fans, but they. They got loud fans. Turf Moor is not going to be easy, as John said, because, you know, northwest of England, if you played, you know, on a rainy day, it's November. I mean, you're probably not going to have a fun time unless if you win. Um, and it <clears throat> it's kind of a Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type deal with Spurs, I feel like. And this isn't and it's not even with Conte or Nuno, just the whole season in general, where it's like, what team will show up? Um you know, or like yesterday, what team will show up in what half? I feel that the fact that we're playing away to Burnley, it's like we got to be lights out. I'm not saying like we would if we go lights out for 90 minutes, we should win comfortably, whether it be four one or whatever. I have a lot of reservations seeing that happen, just because of the history of Spurs this season. Um, I get John's reasoning for a 3-1 prediction. It's just, like I said, I can't bank or am not confident that the team will actually fire on all cylinders. I mean, defensively, I, I'm a little more confident. But, I mean, the attack, I, we're, I mean... More Lucas Moore, you know, we all know what he he's about, and fair enough. But you know, he draws fouls and everything. But like Kane and Son pick up the slack, and they just haven't. They're misfiring. So, will this be the game where they pick things up and actually do well? I mean, yes, it will. You gotta believe, Tommy. Believe. I I, I want to. I really do. It's just. Uh, Give you the proof. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, Tommy, the the thing that ha- has me a little bit more worried about this one is they do not have that midweek fixture to contend with. They're not traveling down to uh, Slovenia um, that week. 
they have the whole week to train and they are, um, I, I wouldn't call them in good form, but they've, the, uh, the only match that they've lost in the last five was the league cup one to us. And that was, uh, uh, by the skin of our teeth. So, um, and, it, and also they scored three goals, uh, on Saturday. Yeah. Which they is like, three. That is a lot. I mean, I'm not hating on Burley, but actually, you know what? They scored three against Brentford as well. I'm like them scoring multiple goals, generally speaking, like if they score more than two goals, that's a lot for them. Yeah. So that, this could be a little bit hairy, I think, uh, especially if it's a rainy piss, pissy day. Um, yeah, they like if they're they're able to keep the ball in the air and play to their their strengths and and uh, keep us from keeping the ball on the ground, or if it is on the ground and if it's t- too wet to to move the ball fast that way, I I could see us getting into some trouble here. So it, a lot for me depends upon what yeah. what the conditions are on the ground. Uh, oh, uh, actually, on the day of. Actually, as a side note, and I'm not horribly surprised, but. Burnley scored 14 goals. They do average one more than a match, but because of Spur or Spurs being Spurs, they've only scored 11. Um, but as John said, you got to believe, and you know it's very like we do have the firepower. We just need to connect. So it's gonna you know, happen, Tom. It's gonna but, happen. <laughs> but like, but, I mean, but even just the fact that Burnley have scored more goals than us thus far, even the fact that we haven't scored many goals is mildly surprising yeah well uh what's your prediction on this one tommy um i'm gonna say 2-1 i think we're gonna scrape out a win but i'm okay with that because like i said previously there's gonna be some growing pains and with those growing pains we learn from so like like previously like for example under pochettino like we've we usually win well and we play well i think one of the qualities of a potentially great team under Conte is you have to learn to win ugly as well or scrape through and kind of slug it out at times so if that happens then so be it um I will say yeah 2-1 and I will say I'm gonna say Lucas Mora and I will say Sun uh John yeah, my goal scorers are um, Sun Kane and um, yeah, Burb one. Okay, okay, I like it. Um, I'm. I, I want to say we're going to win this one, but like I, I have a lot of hesitation just because uh, Turf Moor, just because um, Burnley being Burnley. Um, I, I believe in Conte, and I believe he's turning this squad around, but. Uh, I do think he needs to to make a couple acquisitions to fully turn us around. I'm going to say it's a three three draw, um, and I'm going to give uh, one to Kane, one to Son, and I am going to give one to and a defender. I think it's going to be Eric Dyer on a header. Uh, but, <laughs> It's going to be a painful, painful day, um, but we'll come away with a point. Just curious, Andy, based on what I said earlier, do you believe that Burnley can win or can score three goals in consecutive games? Um, 
I think that we could give up three goals. Uh, oh yeah, that's well, not out of the realm of possibility. And and, and I and I have no idea. Like the, the conditions are never good at Turf Moor. That that's what has me more concerned. Um, I want to believe, like, and I do believe in Conte. Even if that result happened, I want to change how I, I feel. I'd be a little disappointed because I think this is a great part of the table for us to to continue to move up and grow. But uh, I just want to be realistic that there's going to be times that uh, we still falter until uh, until we're able to make some changes. Oh no, I get it. Yeah. Um, well, what you say? Well, any final thoughts on on the week that was and uh, the week that's coming? I just, I don't know. I feel like I can enjoy the games a little bit more, um, partially because I'm in North Carolina. But I think we're trending upwards in terms of seeing how Conte operates. I mean, I, I I assumed as much, but I think seeing evidence on the field looks it, it's promising. So. Let's hope that we dominate these next two games, even though I have reservations. But, yeah, I'm, let's bring it on. Yeah. Yeah, bring it on, and I believe. So, we'll see. <laughs> well, and put mustard on your hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. I know that. Um, but that about wraps up the episode. So, thanks so much to John and Tommy for being on this week. Uh, thanks to Tommy for editing and sound. Charlie for the music. Kevin for social media. Um, um, John for uh, uh, Lone Player Update, uh, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill for having a place to watch. Definitely come out Thursday, uh, come out Sunday. Um, it, it's going to be a good time, especially if you're traveling into Chicago for the weekend uh, to see family. Uh, uh, come out and join us for those two matches. Um, Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, find our, our merchandise at Big Head Media. Um, check us out on uh, Stitcher and Spotify. Um, and uh, find us on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.